Hello and welcome to the Doc Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Mike DeLuke, and it's my mission to help you lead a happier, healthier, and more prosperous life, both personally and professionally. Hey, everybody, it's Dr. Mike. Thanks so much for tuning in to part two of the Doc Podcast featuring Dr. Lou Chimura. We will go ahead and pick up now with where we left off last week. Enjoy the episode. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it more. If that's something you did some of, did you do a lot of phase one with that? Did you get involved there? Were you kind of focusing more on the adult um, OSA issue? No, no both, both. Okay. Um, the, the danger with, with young, younger people um, I've found, and, and I'm going to dance a little bit between ortho and dental because I, I sat in, in one of the first ADA conferences on airway mm -hmm. in Chicago mm -hmm. and um, listened and I thought, yeah, this is, this is up my alley. Um, and I sat with a fellow who was telling me about how we had opened an office and he says, I don't even have to be there. I've got my TC there. And she explains what the benefit of doing this XYZ appliances mm -hmm. and so on. And we get some sign. He says, I'm making $2 million a year and I rarely even have to go there. And I sat through the whole lunch, listened to this is an orthodontist. And I said, I, I asked him a question at the end of the lunch. And, and I said, so tell me, um, how do you know which patient doesn't need XYZ appliance? Great question. And he looked at me like I was the stupidest man on earth. Because everybody needs it, right? Because everybody <laughs> needs it. Uh, and that's and I sure. think the problem with airway is that... Um, that's that's what orthodontists are seeing. Mm -hmm. That's why Neil Kravis just wrote an article. Yeah, you know, everybody gets it. an expander. Yeah, right. And and I understand where he's coming from because yeah, it looks that way, right? It, it everybody gets an expander. Everybody gets X Y Z appliance. Everybody gets that, and and there is truth to that. And and you're going to have a higher success rate because some of them don't need it. Mm -hmm. right? Completely agree. Is we don't have great ways of identifying them. And so that you made a number of points along there, and I want to go back to a number of them. First one is allergies. We are we have our, tons of allergies that are undiagnosed. I just found out I'm doing a thing through Tiger Medical where I'm trying to optimize my health mm -hmm. and to reduce my risk for Alzheimer's. Mm -hmm. And that's part of why I've lost a bunch of weight. Um, I am allergic to eggs, to wheat, and to dairy, milk dairy, mm -hmm. uh, cow dairy, right? Mm -hmm. Go to any breakfast buffet in any hotel or at any meeting and tell me what I can eat. Right. Right. I can have bacon. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Maybe sausage if they have some some of that. And right? sausage if they have it. Right. And and so realize that in our world, that's really not uncommon. Mm -hmm. That there are allergies. It's not just dust mites and it's not just grass and trees. It's there are allergies to foods and, and the alterations that have made in our food yep. that are rampant. Yes. I completely agree. Yep. Um 
And that's the key, what you said, the alterations and how our foods were, which is a whole separate topic of how our foods were. Yeah, we can go into that some other and, time. But and exactly. Yeah. But yes, it's it's because I think it's, people hear that and they're like, well, why is this all of a sudden happen? You know, all these years, people, that's what they ate. Well, it's because they're grown differently. And and the what the 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 uh, livestock has been fed and what the poultry have been, and what the, and no the feed that they're given, uh, that is a lot of it. And again, not to get too off topic, but I think people sometimes hear that and they, they are like, well, that just, you know, that can't be, well, it, it is. I completely agree. It with is. Yeah, it absolutely is. And so the fact that there are allergies out there, yeah, there are, and, and they are rampant and yep. kids can't breathe through their nose and breathing through their nose is critical. And then you had a soft diet. Which on top of that, uh, yeah. you know, not developing the masticatory forces to be able to masticate your food because you're eating highly processed food on top of that with the allergies. So then go ahead. Right. And then then you, you're fatter because you have, you're eating the wrong foods. And uh, it, it's, it's a whole cavalcade of problems that result in us being more overweight, which then affects airway. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second one, and, and, and from an orthodontic standpoint, a critical one is I still, I, I, I met with some people at the orthopreneurs meeting this weekend, and I was talking to them about the, how do you determine when there's a crossbite, when, when the maxilla is narrow. narrow yeah. Because it, it, you know when you look at it from an orthodontic standpoint, you would do a maxillary expansion appliance and it yep. widen the maxilla. Um, and, and no crossbite is absolutely not an issue. You can have no crossbite because the teeth will, will compensate. Compensate on the lower. Thank Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. And, and, and you've got the lower molars tipped in, you got mm-hmm. the upper molars tipped out. Yep. And, and that's still a narrow maxilla. Yep. And 38 millimeters. I, it just, it, it, <laughs> it makes me laugh. And cry, cry. Yeah, I'm with you. Yep. When they take a a a cotton roll, say that's 37 (laughs) millimeters. You shove that up there between the molars, and that tells. No, it doesn't. That was an average. And I've got a slide in my presentation that shows Shaq and his girlfriend. His girlfriend's like two feet shorter than he is, Uh right? I said, do you think both of them have 38 millimeters? That's our goal, right? Both those two, right? No, of course not. Okay, it should be related to the patient. And there are ways to do it. There are ways to measure the maxilla itself versus the mandible itself and make sure that it's wide enough relative to. And you'll you'll find more narrow maxillas than you think. And combing is a huge, a huge advantage in that. I mean, yeah, when, when you are able to take that image and make slices whether you, you know, a sagittal and axial coronal slice. But I think a lot of those, if you're able to do a coronal slice, remove the front half of, of the face and just look and see those bone bases of the maxilla and the mandible, and then the inclinations of the respective teeth. It's like, it, 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 it we, again, getting to the point we said before as orthodontists, we know what the relationship of teeth to bone is supposed to be. <laughs> and we know the general configuration of the osseous structures that is orthognathic or normal, right? So 
why are we not looking at this more to your exact point? Why are we still being trained in our training programs that in absence of a posterior crossbite, you don't expand arches like expanding. And I get what you're saying, the fringe, and it, it really frustrates me. The fringe expand, everybody drives me nuts. And you could survey any patient from the community in which I practice. And they will tell you that I put just as many patients on observation and in, into watch that came in to see me at seven as I did treat. <clears throat> it probably was about actually look at the numbers. It was 50, 50, if not more towards the observation, the key is diagnosing and understanding the ones that do have the very issue you're talking about, not ignoring it and not falling on those extremes of expand everybody or expand, don't expand unless they have a crossbite. How do we bridge that gap to get something that you and I see very clearly? And when there's a lot of other colleagues that see it clearly, I'd like to know what the ones you talk, spoke with this weekend said, how do we bridge that gap to, to make sure we're all speaking the same language on this? Well, I don't know. I really don't because I, I I have an idea of how I do it, and in fact, I'm I'm preparing to write that as a separate article. I wrote one okay. in, in January of 2022 to the uh, JCO. It was excellent. I, yeah, that was an excellent Thank article. You. I like. I enjoyed it very and much. And toward the end of that, that whole last section was a struggle because it's really complex. Mm, it is. And, and especially if you're trying to hit Dennis and you're trying to hit orthodontist and see the difference. Mm -hmm. But I also have had the opportunity to um, to see for, for several companies, I've done setups and to see what happens after they fix the airway, right? When they're, we're going to widen. And when you're talking general dentists, not all, but the vast majority are talking about widening with a removable appliance which is tipping teeth. So they're widening the arches. They're not widening the, the jaws. Mm -hmm. And some of these that are misdiagnosed and you see the molars tipped out upper and lower into a massive balancing interference mm -hmm. and they have space everywhere and now they can't retract. That's not allowed. And, and so some of them, the idea is, okay, we're going to leave space somewhere because we just generated all this space. And mm -hmm. I'm thinking it's misdiagnosed from the get-go. Mm -hmm. We ought to be talking to each other enough to say, this is maxillary expansion that's needed, right? And, and the diagnosis is not, oh, do they have a high vaulted palate? Well, how high? How vaulted? You know, of course it looks that way. But the bottom line is we have to have a better diagnostic material than that. And we have to have a better treatment than that. And it's so funny you mentioned that about the better treatment. I have an article, part two of that series in Orthotown coming up, where I break down expansion. Um, and I break it down into the traditional view of rapid max, RME, right? Not back, rapid, yep. rapid maxillary expansion and SME, slow maxillary expansion, and the traditional modalities to do that. Profit, who we would all say is, is highly regarded, in contemporary orthodontics, he clearly states that using rapid force in anybody under the age of 10 is not only disadvantageous, but dangerous. Yet we continue to do it. And I think what happened, I think what happened, and I'd love to hear your thoughts too. We use RPEs, right? Because at 12, 13, you need that. You need orthopedic force. You need 5, 10, 15 pounds of pressure to separate that suture that started to interdigitate. And I think we thought, well, as we started doing more early treatment and expanding younger, well, we'll just put the same thing in younger and do the same thing. Forgetting the biology that we all know, forgetting the craniofacial growth and development that we all know, that at seven, that suture 
is barely even approximating yet. It's, it's, it's cartilaginous in the middle. You don't have this interdigitation orthopedically. So that's where the concept rickets, you know, was big in it in the seventies and the con the with the W arch and the quad helix. And then the night and all expanders that came aren't in the nineties with that in late nineties, mid to late nineties. And there's so many studies out there that show that slow maxillary expansion is actually better, right? That it actually has can have an equivalent orthopedic effect, but then you get people who say, no, you're only tipping teeth with it. Not the removal appliances you were talking about with GPs, but like, you know, putting in a quad helix or a W arch. Well, when you look at the literature, it's really clear. If you do it young <laughs> and they're like seven, you can get an orthopedic effect. If you do it at 12, not so much so. You're going to tip a bunch of teeth. And so I don't, again, it's one of these concepts that I look at. And that's why I wanted to put the article out there and say, we just need to, to stop again. We, we know the biology so well. Just take a breath. Look at it. Look at the literature and what the literature says as far as, you know, the, the, the traumatic impact that RPE can have at any age. But you need to do it when the suture is fusing. But at younger kids, I mean, we've all had patients because I used to do it. I'm not indicting anybody else. But before I changed to, which I want, I'll mention in a second, the braces and wires, the way I started evolving to do it and I've gotten just, just got phenomenal results. I was putting RPEs in seven, eight-year-olds and having them turn it once or twice a day. You know, I'm, I, I'm guilty. I, I did it. And sometimes these parents would come in and they're like, my kid's face is changed. The shape of their face is not right. They don't look right. Their nose is getting too wide or... And well, now it makes sense because I was putting 10 pounds of pressure on a kid who didn't have a suture that was even beginning to approximate. And I was blowing that and the circumaxillary sutures out. And I was literally changing the shape of their face in a less than desirable way when I was just trying to expand the maxillary artery on the maxilla. So what I did, and, and you might not even know about this, I'd be loved after the article comes out to hear your thoughts. And I've got a bunch of podcasts and, and content on my website as well. Um, some free content too, that talks about, I started, and I won't bore you with the details of how I got started doing it, but in like 2011, doing it with some patients who had special needs and couldn't tolerate expanders, I started putting some braces on. Young, guy again, has to be young. And yes, you can say the line of action of force isn't as high, but if you've ever made a quad helix or inserted a W arch or quad helix, that thing ain't up in the pallet high. I mean, you're, those things sit low. You're not getting up to where you could get like a mini expander up in the height of that narrow vaulted V-shaped pallet. So you're flying the force from the buckle. Yes. But my tie wires can deliver, you know, you get a 1725, 1925, you can put six, 700 grams of force with a wire like that. So you can get amazing force. And what I found happen is a lot of those patients that are narrow, but don't have a posterior crossbite. They're very V-shaped looking at the arch from above or below, right? That very narrow tapered in the anterior middle sextants. And then that posterior sextant, not, not so much. It may even be somewhat wide posteriorly. And when I put an RPE in those kids, I got these really wide Vs, right? And now they're overexpanded posteriorly and underexpanded in the anterior middle thirds. And the canines still don't have room. And then you're stressed. Am I going to have to pull up or buys or the canines going to be impacted? When, uh, again, I'd love to hear your thoughts when you look at some of my cases out there. When I would put braces and wires in, let that arch develop, you get these beautiful shape arches. You get amazing change. And I have the cone beams before and after to prove it all. A lot of people are like, well, did you get a gap, you know, in, in the bone? Well, no, because it's slow remodeling. I'm not blowing it apart. You know, we're so ingrained to think like you don't get orthopedic change if you don't have that gap at, you know, a month or two. But when you're remodeling the bone gently and on the lower, of course, we're not getting lower orthopedic expansion. The, you know, the midline sutures fused in 
if not at birth within the first six to 12 months. So you, but you're getting dental alveolar remodeling from that, as you indicated, very constricted tapered arch. And it's interesting because Neil Kravitz, it's one of the references I put in, he had an article, I think it was 2014, don't quote me on that year, but where he talked about a a lower expansion appliance that he would put in and he would use it to develop the arch before the permanent canines erupted to get that dental alveolar expansion. I just chose to do it on the buckle. I found kids tolerated braces better. It was easier on the tongue. I didn't get all the food impactions. It just, it was easy for me. I got it down. I, I, so I say that to people and people will be like a lot of people, even friends of mine, got people I know well, like it just, that can't work. I mean, have you tried it? And I used to tell people when I started trying this, I'd tell patients and parents, if it doesn't work, I'll put expanders in, no questions asked, no charge, you know, we'll, 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 we'll jump out as long. And they are like, Dr. Mike, anything to avoid those things, right? Like, you know, if you don't have to give me those, I'll try anything. And Lou, it, I, I have thousands of cases. And so I'm kind of, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on it because, again, the key is it's not putting this on 10, 12, 14-year-olds expecting orthopedic change. Of course not. But when you do this on these kids in the early mixed dentition, not if they're not narrow. And that's the other thing. If they're not narrow, let them grow. If they're just a little narrow and they don't have an air issue, let them grow. Like You don't have to fix everything at that age. But when you see those kids that are that constricted and they have six, eight millimeters of crowding in each arch, really narrow, insufficient space for the tongue, high vaulted palate, all those things, chap lips, mouth breather, vertical growth vector, steep mandibular plane. I would literally in 12 months and maybe four to five visits be able to just transform the way this kid grew because they're so pliable. And I'm trying to get that message out more, but our profession is just so resistant to it. And I'm not speaking for a bracket company, a wire company. I'm not paid by anybody. I've turned down offers to be um, a KOL for people because I don't want it to look like I'm promoting somebody's product. I just know what this did for me in my practice. uh, And I know what it can do for others in their practices. And I just want to share it. So um, we've never specifically talked about this. So I'd love to hear your thoughts. We're in in much the same thing. And and I'm back to remember when I did the laser course? Yeah. And I said, let's find our constraints. Yep. That's what I did in the last part of that article, what I want to build out. The three big criteria are age of patient. Yep. How do you attach the expander? Yep. And where is the force? Yep relative to the the center of rotation truly of the maxilla yep of the two halves of the maxilla yep right and that varies dramatically like you say at 12 there were times i was using a a tad supported Mm -hmm. expander Mm -hmm. because i didn't want to tip teeth yep i wanted true expansion yep and the hard part with that is really getting orthodontists over the angst in their head about it mm-hmm. and um, having the conversation with the patients. And if you get the orthodontist over that, I had no problems. They didn't love it. Mm-hmm. They said, this is what we need to do. Mm-hmm. And so I would, I would be interested in working with you to look at your cases before and after. Mm-hmm. And let's see what actually happened. Because yep. we can measure, we can do before and after. Right. I can't, we can look and see exactly. what happened. Yep. And I'd like to see what happens in the nasal passages. Yep. Because if we truly got orthopedic expansion, mm-hmm. then that is the way to go. Mm-hmm. It really is easier. 
Yep, I have the measurements and I, you know, in an article like Worth Town, you can't, I can only show so many, but I can literally, I literally, you know, measure it out pre and post. And I mean, the only way, you know, you'll see canines literally, like let's take the primary canines. I can show cases where there's 10 millimeters, a centimeter of expansion across tip to tip of the canine. The only way you're going to get 10 millimeters of expansion is if bones moving somehow, because if you move, <laughs> if you move a centimeter, you're pulling the tooth in a primary tooth. That thing's not going to be hanging around much longer. Uh, and if you go up to the nasal passageways, palatal vault, same thing. Um, again, age, you, you hit it. You said age is the key. And I was just always looking for a better way to deliver this force uh, when, when it was, was needed. Um, and uh, yeah, the, without a doubt, we'll, we'll touch back on that because I'd love, well, I know you're super knowledgeable in this area. And... The problem is people extrapolate yep. from a little bit of data. Yep. Just Agreed. like Dennis say, well, expansion works and it does, mm -hmm. but the studies that have been done with before and after PSG with before and after uh, sleep studies are, all RME, right? Mm -hmm. and they're all like teenage ages. But we also know that in adults, we can improve things by widening the maxilla. And we can now do that with an MSE non-surgically or mm -hmm. with an MSE and surgically doing a dome procedure. Mm -hmm. So there's, you know, there's a wide range of possibility, possible tools out there. Yep just have to realize what's our goal and and so yeah I, I i think i think what you're saying makes sense i my first thought was they extrapolated from oh well if we do light forces and wires and so on we can get orthopedic expansion and my first thought was no you can't but at the younger ages i think you probably can i just mm -hmm. like to show it mm -hmm. i'd like to not say this is my clinical experience but do 150 of them and say, Hey, this is what we're seeing. Yep. I've got thousands. I mean, I, I started it in 2011 and I have thousands of cases and the, on my podcast, some of the earlier episodes of the podcast um, this summer, I have like a phase one, part one, part two, where there's some, uh, some cool examples I show. And, and on um, the website, there's some free C in my paid CE courses. Uh, I have, it goes in a much more detail. Those are long hours, long courses, but just some, drips and drabs of it to show uh the what's what's possible um yeah check that out and let me know your thoughts cuz i'd love to talk more about right. it and and i um i i saw i mean i it blew my mind too i'm a yukon guy like I, I, you, this is not charlie burstone 101 right here right like 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 you know no, this is this not what we're taught nanda burstone this we are purist biomechanically so when i first started thinking about this or seeing it, I was, I was using upper and lower fixed expanders, a Williams on the lower and RP on the upper. And that's how I was handling this because I believe that you needed to treat the etiology of the narrowness, not just pull teeth. So in patients who are narrow, that's what I was doing the first like six years of my career. But as we know, expanders are bulky, they're cumbersome, they're not efficient from a chair side perspective. There's lots of extra care visits, uh, speech issues, and I, we could go on and on. And so I was just always looking for kind of a better widget to do this. And it, and it really wasn't until I had some kids who just couldn't tolerate them. And I said, what the heck, it can't hurt. Parents were begging me, please don't make my kid go under general anesthesia multiple times over the next few years to get teeth extracted. Is there anything you can do? They were young. I just applied my knowledge of biomechanics and biology and said, with a shot. Let's see what we get. And when I started seeing it, I, I was in disbelief. I fully expected. Honestly, Lou, for the first probably two years, I recommended that as I started pushing that envelope to more and more patients. I put it in the informed consent 
this may not work. <laughs> you may need expanders because yeah. I was just like, this can't. And then I kept seeing it and seeing it and seeing it and saying, it's so much so it's a big part of the reason that it motivated me to go out and teach and coach. Cause I'm like this, if we can get our profession to see this and do this and acknowledge this, you know, we get so worried about the over-the-counter orthodontic companies and, and I get, we need to be conscious of them and, and, you know, minimize that for, for various reasons uh, for patient safety and protection and education. I, I also, you know, we get very worried about GPs and pedos doing Invisalign and so forth. And we're kind of very protective with that, but we're missing something that we are the experts in and, and can change a patient's life younger. And when they're pliable and we argue over it and I get that, I love the spirited debate. I just don't like it when we shut each other's ideas down. I really appreciate you being like, Hey, let, like, it doesn't make sense to me necessarily all the way, but let's look at this. I think that's such an, it's why you've been so What's successful in this arena. Hypothesis. Right. We can, we can find out. Right. Okay. Right. And if it increases nasal breathing and gives you orthopedic yeah, orthopedic expansion. Mm -hmm. That's absolutely the way to do it. And Much I can show you cases than anything in the palate. And one of the one of the questions Dave asked me was back in the day, he says, What are you doing to the airway when you put a big old mechanism where the tongue is supposed to go? I was just gonna say, I, I can't believe you said that. Now, I was it, just gonna and say it, that. it makes a ton of sense. I'm, yes. I agree with him hundred yep. percent. Yep. And the tongue, what I found happens and this, I, I literally just was having this conversation with a colleague on Friday. Um, what I found is the tongue, because that there's nothing palatal keeping the tongue away. I am convinced a big part of this working is the tongue sits up into the, as you start to get some of that expansion, and even if the initial, let's say the initial is dental tipping, right? Let's just say, yeah. you know, you've got an 0 and tie in there. It's probably not delivering more than a couple hundred grams of force. Maybe initially you're just getting some dental tipping. But that tongue can then sit up in a more normal place in the palate, a push up against the palate where it's supposed to. And we all know how strong the tongue is. And it can, I'm telling you, when you see these arches post-treatment, you're going to look at the before arch, that narrow V high-vaulted palate. You're going to look at the after arch. doesn't even look like the same human, number one. And I also show cases where you get that expanded arch with an RPE and they're wide, but you've still got that big high-vaulted sort of arced palate. You don't have that broad. And I'm telling you, it's the tongue. I, I don't have anything to prove that. It's just, no, you know, I, well, I've treated thousands of cases if, if that helps. But as far as from a scientific standpoint, but that was that's such a great you, point you make. We're not going to win this battle on your opinion. Correct. Or my opinion. Yep. Okay. Um, we're going to win it when we when we say, look, we we increased on average the nasal passage between you know just the width of the, of the nasal passage mm -hmm. at the lower widest point got wider two millimeters every time mm -hmm. right the, the turbinates take up less of that mm -hmm. uh, space every time mm -hmm. the arch widened this much and we didn't get tipping of the teeth we got actually upright but it's a testable hypothesis. Yeah. Let's test it and, yeah. and print it up yep. because that's when we're going to get people to, to understand. Um, we'll go back to what you started with. There is no greater thing than, than walking by the front desk and having a mom throw her arms around you. And, and I would, I would extend it beyond what you said. You said, you know, giving my kid back. No, giving us our life back. Fair. Because it's yep. not just the kid that's suffering. Yep. When the kid is suffering, the parents are suffering and the, the siblings are suffering. You're giving people their entire life back. 
It's very true. It's, It's a big, big deal. And we have the tools to fix it. It's not just expansion. If you think that's what it is, that's that's a simple-minded way to do it. Agreed. And I get where you're getting that because that's what's happening in the general dental world. Yep. Is they go to XYZ companies course yep. Yep. and they start using that appliance and and they extrapolate what worked once or twice. Yep. It'll work for everybody. It's not that way. Yep. And eliminating the diagnostic, which is the really key, is really the key in this, which in the Absolutely. courses I teach on it, I put so much into the diagnose. I actually go into the history of RP versus all of it, but the diagnostic is so key. That's where cone beam also comes in extreme. Not that you can't do this without cone beam, but um, one of the earlier podcasts too with Jeff Rothenberg, Dr. Rothenberg, he talks about, I talked to him about this years ago, we're friends and colleagues went to UConn together and I was telling him what I was doing years ago and he started doing it and he just watched it transform patients' lives and transform his practice. And he, he was a skeptic initially. He's actually much, he's a thinker like you are. And he was kind of like, like, you know, and he tried it on a couple of cases and then he's like, holy cow. And now, you know, he got people coming to him from hours away like I did. And, 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 but he's not doing it on everybody. He's diagnosing the ones that it needs to be done on. And that's such a key point to make, take the time. You know, I think a lot of this is orthodontists. They just, you know, sometimes, and I'm not being critical. We've all been there. You're busy. The day's hard. It's hard to sometimes take the time in that consult that you need to take to really diagnose your patient. But I beg our colleagues and especially the younger ones who are trying to figure it all out right now, please don't jeopardize that time. Take that five minutes to just look through your case, understand what's going on with that patient. Take that five to 10 minutes after that to do a thorough clinical exam and talk to the patient and their family. It is the best time you will spend. Your cases will end up infinitely better. Your your enjoyment of your practice will end up better. Um, and, and it's not about necessarily just getting that one more start that you can cram into a day. It's about treating the patients and changing their quality of life. And I think if we all remember that, it's not just about, again, it was, I find it so offensive, the story you told with that guy just saying, oh, I do $2 million, I don't have to show up. I mean, really? I mean, is that, it, it, teach their own in a sense. That's where we we got no profession. Exactly. It's not a profession at that moment. Nope, nope. And that's what I, I want us to take our profession back. And, I'm, and, I'm with you. You know, I, I think if we, if we're just going to straighten teeth, we lose. I agree 110 percent They can straighten teeth in a thousand different ways. Yep. And if you look at your cases, if, if, if I know this is what happened to me, when I was looking at the cases that I was struggling to finish, they were all cases that I misdiagnosed. Diagnosis, 100%. Or I tried to do the impossible. Herodontics, yep, or or, or misdiagnosis, I agree. You know, it it starts with diagnosis, and I would extend it way beyond. See, my my whole thing in in retirement is we should be diagnosing, but we should be diagnosing airway. We should be diagnosing occlusion. Not, Not the way we do it, class one, right? I mean, actually getting canine guidance, actually mm-hmm. getting incisor guidance. Mm-hmm. And we should be diagnosing aesthetics, mm-hmm. a la David Sarver, mm-hmm. where we're looking at facial and teeth and smile and yep. even even gingival aesthetics. We can do so much better if we're if we're doing all that. And quite frankly, the treatment plans are not that much longer. 
the costs are no. not much higher, no. but the results are that much better. And you won't be struggling with cases because you'll fix the big stuff first. Thank you. And you end up more efficient in the end. It, it, it's it's such a simple concept in a sense, but so difficult to execute, which many things are. But if you take the time to figure out the right plan, you could save yourself numerous visits and headaches and stresses down the road because you misdiagnosed in the beginning or overshot on something because you didn't anticipate it because you didn't do a thorough enough workup on it. And we're not saying, I, I'm not, I don't want to speak for you, but I'm certainly not saying that you need to sit down like you did in residency and take out, you know, a stone models or, or to trace every Ceph angle. No. That's not what we're saying. We're, need, saying we're talking need to... five, five to seven minutes yes. in the consult room and yep. explain what's going on. Now that means you have to learn it. Yep. And that means then you have to get comfortable with it. Yep. And you're going to have to get uncomfortable before you get comfortable. Agreed. Yep. But if you do it, oh my goodness, the payoff is tremendous. I couldn't the agree more. Is astro- and then you layer on uh, distant monitoring. You know, we use dental monitoring and, mm-hmm. and it was great. I have used it primarily because of the AI, but you know, there are other monitoring ways to go. Mm-hmm. If you're doing that, you can start saving patients appointments upon appointment, mm-hmm. upon appointment, which everybody's talking about how beneficial that is to the orthodontist. And it is. But think of what that means to a parent where both of them work. Oh, if yeah. they can take five or 10 times where they don't have to go ask for time off and spend three hours in your office. And you say, well, three hours, it doesn't take, no, it does. It does. To get the kid, they yep. have to go from work, get the kid, yep. take it to the appointment, sit, you know, go in, do the appointment. That's 10 minutes or five minutes or 30 seconds. Reverse the whole thing with a stop at McDonald's on the way home. Yep. It's two and a half, three hours. And that's Doesn't one of the things. It's rural or urban. It's, it's two and a half, three hours. It's so true. And it's so funny. It's again, another great point you make because when I started doing it with braces and wires instead of expanders, that was actually as the second thing people loved the most. The first was, thank God my kid doesn't have expanders in. His neighbor has it or my cousin had it or I got in the situation where I treated the previous sibling with expanders and this one got braces and yeah. wires. I have some testimonials on my website too where one of them is a kid saying how he got version like 2.0 and he was making fun of his sister because it was so much easier. <laughs> but the other thing that page that that um, uh, I found was parents were so thankful because we took SEPs band, you know, pickup impression, recep, right? Insertion. And I was doing the lower at a separate visit from the upper. Cause I just, when you put an upper and a lower in at once, kids were just losing it. And it was, you know, these narrow mouths and speech. So then you do it again for the lower and then you put some upper incisor or lower incisor brackets on. It was, I, again, my courses, I break down the exact visits, but it, it's tremendously inefficient for the practice and for the patient and parent. When I changed the braces and wires, it braces on, maybe three, four adjustments, maybe a half hour midday clinical appointment to bond the laterals once they've erupted and debond. End of story. And they stop by after school the next day to pick up their digitally printed uh, retainer, make 3D uh, prints for their retainers, upper and lower S6C plus, easy to cut out and adjust in phase one retention, incredibly retentive. And I've got, I have studies showing three, four, five, six years out retention on this um, patients that didn't even need a second phase. And I loved that. Um, so I'm so passionate about it. And and yeah, we, we have to connect uh, after this. And and I think, you know, the more of us that, that think like this, that can come together and say, hey, look, even if you don't do it exactly like I'm saying, just 
our profession needs to think about this whole thing differently. And, and conceptually, I, we have to think differently is, yeah. is really what it is. The, yep. the technique doesn't matter as much. I agree. It does it, it does from an efficiency and a profitability standpoint. That's secondary. Yeah. But but from a from a, a diagnostic standpoint, it, yep. it's not you get the diagnosis right, then you use baling wire and bubble gum and you can make it happen. Right. Right. The, the right. idea we, is is getting it right on the on the get go. Yeah, it kills me that so many people in our profession are so you hear see things in posts all the time, people getting away from phase one. And, you know, I try to do as little as possible. And I'm like, again, it's each their own in the sense I'm not telling you how to practice, but if just open your mind to what can be done when these kids are young and pliable and what you can save yourself down the road uh, and shift your mindset. And if from a cost perspective, I think people feel like phase one isn't as profitable. Well, I just started charging more for phase one. And then I don't feel like they need to have a phase two. And I was doing a better service. They looked great. The aesthetics of their smile. And I was up front with them. Um, yep, they're going to get braces. It's going to be more expensive than people you're getting quotes, maybe on expanders for, but I'm going to provide a different service. And people, it, it grew my practice. And, and it, again, I didn't expect that to happen. Initially, I, it didn't. I lost patients. I literally would lose people. They would go back to their dentist or they would talk to people. We, they'd call my TC and be like, nope, we heard that, you know, you can't do this without expanders and we're not going to go to Dr. Mike for that. So it was initially a hit, but once people then started seeing it happen and watching it and experiencing it, then it was like, we, we had, I mean, we were out months on new patient exams because people were, were, were begging for this, this service. So your, to your point, not the tech, the technique becomes secondary. You've got to do the work of the diagnostics and the information first. You've got to understand what you're treating. You can't over treat. You can't throw this at everybody. You can't have your TC have some widget that she's just going to tell every seven-year-old they need. It's a cop-out and it's unacceptable. Yeah. Be a doctor, do what you were trained to do, diagnose your patients, develop a thorough treatment plan and stand behind it and then expand kind of your reality of what what's possible. So now I appreciate the talk. I want to, I want to finish if you take in a moment, just go over egghead ortho. I'd love to hear more about it and just kind of give everybody how they can find you and, and what services you, you can provide. Well, egg, egghead ortho actually was started back in the laser days when I said, well, we have opportunity to teach people what we're doing. And I, you know, I, I came up with a whole bunch of names and so on. And ironically, one of my friends said, Lou, I, I just don't know, you know, egghead, that, that has negative. And I looked at him, I thought, oh, you poor guy, you must <laughs> have gotten beat up in high school, you know, but it's kind of how I think, okay. And, and egghead hortho has evolved to a certain extent. We actually have the capability. We have the technology right now to treat patients anywhere in the world, right? The oh. thing that you can't replicate is this, right? And, and so I could, I could come up with a treatment plan remotely. I can come up with a diagnosis and treatment plan remotely. I can, I can dictate, here's what's going on. I can do indirect bonding mm -hmm. so I can get the brackets on the right spot. I can do custom wires to finish you as perfectly as you can be finished. I mean, all that can be done remotely. And that's what I started doing but I don't think the world is ready mm. okay, for that. And so it's evolved into coaching. And, and originally coaching was going to be primarily things like um, how to use orthodontics for airway, right? Mm -hmm. yep. Or how to do lasers, um, that sort of thing. And yeah, that's going to be part of it. And I'm not going to do it with a big lecture hall. I, I want to do it in a remote 
place we have we're going to go to costa rica and we're going to have oh, cool. maybe five to ten people and that's it mm. right and we're just going to sit and talk about lasers or or um osa and ortho i'm sure there will be a million side conversations right right and that's what the beauty of having a small group you yep. can get the didactics done pretty quick yep and you can take tangents but the other side of that, I, I'm I'm putting together a diagnosis and treatment planning mastermind, mm. for example, and we're just going to meet and and discuss cases and go over them. And it, it's not the Lou show. You know, hopefully I'll have some input on it. Mm -hmm. But the things you're talking about, where we're talking about, how do you look at that, mm -hmm. and how do you look at your cone beam, and how do you, all of that's going to be part of it. Yep. And and do all the three parts of the diagnosis. Straight teeth is easy if you get the aesthetics and the bite and the, the airway right. Everything yep. else is pretty yep. straightforward. And so I want to do that. And I'm going, I am already doing it. Okay, that part. But there's other things. I've got people that have called me and said, I, I'm trying to decide. I want to start a practice, but I'm not sure where to go. And so I've started for three practices. Since oh, wow. Last. That's great. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm looking to transition Lou and I, it's, I don't have the answers for everything, Yep. but I know a lot of people. Yep. If I don't know the answer, I'll get you the right person. Yep. Um, so it's, it's gonna, it's gonna evolve. So when I, I say coaching, it's kind of, what do you need? You know, yeah. and if I can help you, I'll help you. And if I can't, I won't. That's so great. Egghead is morphing a little bit. Mm -hmm. Okay. Certainly there's an educational arm. No question about that. Yep. But really, I want to do one-on-one -on -one coaching with people <laughs> and help them see possibilities where they didn't see them before. Mm -hmm. That's really, I mean, if you get right down to it, I want them to know you can do this. Yep. I'll help you. I'll be there to help you out. But you can do this and you can be happy. There's too many people that are burnt out after four years in practice. Yep six months in practice and they're not paying their bills yep they don't know what to do been there yeah on that oh I, no i, I absolutely agree yep you know and and that's really what i want to do is, is work with helping people see the possibilities where they just couldn't see them that's awesome and and that's that's so great that you're doing that and i think again people like us that are that are dedicating our sort of second parts of our careers to that. I think a lot of it is like you said, been there, done that. I went through so much in starting that my practice. I know you did too. And you said with the story, we had three practices and had the decision. I mean, we, we say it as in, you know, close two practices, but I mean, I think the, the execution of that, the logistics of that, you know, what you take those scars you take with you to use those to help someone else. I know that's a big motivation for me as well. I know that I've been in the trenches. I've, I've been, you know, any staff issue you can think of any patient issue you can think of, you know, you do this for, for a couple of decades and you beyond that, um, a few decades, you, 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 what you go through. And I, I see it's, it's funny, as you were talking, I think of some of these posts I see in our online groups of young docs saying exactly what you just said. And it, it breaks my heart because there are ways to fix it and they're not, there isn't anywhere right now for them to get that guidance. I'm not knocking any consultants out there. I don't even know enough about each individual one, but I think there's something really special about 
someone who's been there and done that to help guide some of these younger docs, especially along the way. Um, very different from somebody who knows about it. And I'm not, again, I, I'm not diminishing their value in any capacity. I just think when you've had your hands dirty the way we have, when you've been there and had the pressure of overhead and staff management and growing your practice and marketing and clinical techniques and efficiencies and technology and all the things that we dealt with, you learn things we don't even know we learned. And then we see others struggling. And I know for me, it's like at that getting back to the phase one thing, I'm like, I can help you. Like I can help you do more for your practice and your patients and the, the cone beam, same thing like this, this can help you. Um, so I think it's awesome. I, I gave you credit for doing it. And, um, and I know trying try to do this myself now, it's not easy to, to, to kind of get into that market and, and, but it's, it's such a worthy cause. And, and I hope more of us continue to do it because I think if we can keep helping one another like this, uh, that's going to be the key to, to protecting our specialty and protecting the, what we can do for our patients. And well, and and you know as well as I know, when you do diagnosis and treatment planning, it's not the same every time, right? So I guess you know. I think there's a time and place for pretty much everything, and and we have some really powerful consultants, um, but sometimes they come from a situation where it worked in the practice I was working on, and so they write it all up. And then they, this is their program. Program, their protocol. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yep. Well, what worked in Southern California or Atlanta doesn't work in Marshall, Michigan or whatever upstate town you were in. Yep. It, it's not the same market. What I'm trying to do is not give you my cookbook solution. It's to understand, well, I'm doing what I always did. Yes. I'm going to diagnose first and then we'll develop a treatment plan yep. that makes sense for you. So, Same here. I completely agree. Yeah. Very well said. I completely agree. It's it's customizing it instead of creating this cookie cutter approach. And I can tell just speaking with you, it bothers you as much as it bothers me seeing that one size fits all, you know, they come in and if they're this age, they get this, if they're this age, they get this. And it just, it bothers me so much. It dilutes what we do. And like you said, straining teeth isn't rocket science. It's once you've learned the technique of tooth straightening it, I've often said it's the easiest thing we do as I tell parents, that I would say straightening teeth is the easy. They're like, why would this cost more with you or so forth? Say like straightening teeth, anybody who's got their degree can for the most part, straighten teeth. What separates the, the idea, more ideal outcomes from the less ideal outcomes is really the diagnostic and the implementation of the solution of that plan that they put into place. So diagnosing and developing the plan and then implementing it. And sounds like that's what you're really going to be able to help a lot of people with. And, and I hope to do the same. And, and uh, yeah, I know this, I know this is our first in-depth conversation other than superficial one many years ago, but I want to continue this to start to really take you up on your offer to start to look at some of my data. And I'm happy to help you in any way I can with getting your message out because I, I really feel we need to stick together uh, to, to keep this profession strong. You asked how to get a hold of me, and I didn't yeah. tell you. Yeah, I'll put so, it in the show notes too, but yeah, please tell uh, me. It, it's uh, eggheadorthodontics.com, but give me some grace on the website. We pivoted, and we haven't changed the website okay. completely. Um, but Dr. Lou at eggheadortho.com. Okay, I'll put that That's in my email address, and, and that's probably the easiest way to get answers. Right. Okay. Um, and we're, we have a, a site for the retreat, but we have to alter the date. So, okay. you know, we're still working on some of those sorts, sorts of things, but, uh, 
Dr. Lou at eggheadortho.com. We'll get you uh, get you way down the road. Okay. Well, thank you very much. I really well, appreciate you. taking the time. This has been great. And um, yeah, I just, you've done a lot for the profession over your time. You've been an early adopter of a lot of things and, uh, and again, doing that now. And it's just, it's great to see giving back to the profession like this when you don't need to, and you're at a spot where you're in Florida, you know, kind of, but you, you're passionate about it and you, you obviously want to want to help change it for the better for those still coming up. And that's admirable. And I, I appreciate that and really enjoyed the talk. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. What we want to do. Let's, let's, let's make it easier. I tell people, get creative on your mistakes. You don't have to make the same ones I did. Yep. <laughs> I echo that myself. So, uh, well, great. Well, thanks so much. We really appreciate it. Thank you, sir. All right. Have a good one. Bye. Thank you for watching this episode of the Doc Podcast. Be sure to visit theorthocoach.com to get access to CE courses or schedule a private one-on-one -on -one coaching session with me. And remember to join the Doc community on Locals for more great content designed to help you succeed both personally and professionally. Just go to Locals and search for the Doc community. You can also find Doc on Instagram at, at theorthocoach. And remember, you have the power to do amazing things.